Well, folks, we have been for really the last couple of months looking at the book of Nehemiah, and we've been studying his life and his work to gain some faith principles that we can apply to our lives as we seek to rebuild the walls in our life. Now, we've gone through the first six chapters, and we're at the point now where we see that the walls have been rebuilt, but there's a lot more chapters another six chapters afterwards that you kind of have to ask yourself, okay, the walls are rebuilt. What more is there? Well, what we're going to see now is that the attention of Nehemiah turns from rebuilding the walls to maintaining them. And so you might have thought before this, well, you know, George, it's been great studying about rebuilding the walls, but my walls don't need rebuilding. Okay, I understand that. But I want you to understand something. Walls refer to the wellness or the wholeness of your life in a certain area. So it could be the walls in your in your life or in your marriage or in your family, even in our church. But you have walls. And maybe they don't need rebuilt or you've been rebuilding them. But the problem is, is really you need to be proactively seeking to maintain them. Because if you don't maintain the walls in your life, They're going to eventually what? Crumble. They're going to be broken down. How do I know that? Because you and I are sinners. And we're going to do something eventually that's going to bring harm to the walls in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, and in our church. And so from chapter 7 on now, he is going to talk to us about maintaining the walls in our lives. And we're going to see it just in the first three verses of chapter 7. We're going to talk today about guarding against disaster. What kind of disaster? Well, think about it for a moment. Think about guarding, being actively guarding so that you can make sure that your life doesn't have some kind of crisis happen that destroys your faith. Think about actively guarding your marriages against the possibility of something happening that would destroy your marriage or your family. Or guarding in such a way that we would actively seek to what? Not destroy our church. That's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to see three faith principles from three verses in chapter 7. Now, why only three verses? Well, the first three verses, he tells us something. The rest, chapter, verse 4 through the rest of chapter 7, he kind of lists the families who are there from the exile in Jerusalem. We're not going to gain anything from that, but we are going to gain some things from the first three verses. So let's look at those together this morning. Chapter 7, and we're going to talk about guarding against disaster. So if you notice with me, Nehemiah chapter 7. Then it was that when the walls were built... And I had hung the doors when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot, And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem 
one at his watch station and another in front of his own house. Okay, so you say, George, okay, that's interesting information, but what are we going to do with this? Well, we're going to basically divide these three verses into three sections. We're going to see, first of all, responsibility. We're going to talk about the responsibility of maintaining the walls. We're going to talk about character. you got to have a certain character to do this. And then we're going to talk about the ongoing effort. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When we talk about maintaining walls now, we're moving away from rebuilding them. We're going to talk about maintaining them. Because here you are, you're trying to live your life for Jesus. You've got to do some things to make sure that you're guarding in your life against possible failure, spiritual failure. You're going to also try to do what you can to guard your marriages. And can I can I just be honest with you? You need to be proactive in this because if you don't realize it now, you're going to realize it. Not everybody's happy that you're married. People are going to try to destroy your marriage. You need to realize that. Satan wants to destroy your marriage. Satan wants to destroy your family. And you need to do what you can to protect your family and guard your family. Satan wants to destroy our church, and you need to be actively doing what you can to protect our church. Be recognizing that. And so when we look at these three areas, there are some guiding principles that can guide our faith to deal with the issue. Because the fact of the matter is, is it's just not going to stand on its own. Did you hear what I said? The walls in your life are not just going to stand on their own. If you neglect them, you are inviting disaster. Do I need to say that again? If you neglect the walls in your life, in your marriages, in your family, in our church, you are inviting disaster. So we need to look at these three verses, glean what we can, because we've got to guard against disaster. Because trust me, folks, it will come. It will come. It will come. So notice with me the first verse. He says, And then it was that when the wall was built, and I hung the doors, and when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed. What's what I want you to see here? First of all, the rebuilt walls require ongoing attention. The rebuilt walls require ongoing attention. See, okay, so here we are over the last few weeks, we've been talking about rebuilding walls, and you've been attempting to do that. But at some point, you're going to rebuild those walls. And you're going to be like, wow, we can rest now. No, you can't. No, you can't. That's probably what they were thinking. It took them 52 days. Isn't that amazing? 52 days to build, rebuild all the walls of Jerusalem. When they got to the end of their task, they probably thought, we can sit back and be easy now. No, they didn't. They had to appoint somebody to what? Guard the gates. They had to have somebody be the gatekeepers to make sure that somebody was guarding the gates against what? Possible problems and marauders and, and people who wanted to destroy Jerusalem and the people there. It requires an ongoing effort. Because here's the thing. I want you to notice something. When your walls fell apart the first time, that just didn't happen overnight. It was probably a gradual process. 
And then what happened was, is before you knew it, your walls had crumbled. But now you've taken the effort to rebuild them. Now here's the thing, you've got to continue to maintain the effort to what? Make sure that your walls are doing okay and that your walls are maintaining their status. And so the rebuilt walls require ongoing attention. So here's what I want you to see. Here's the first faith principle. Faith resists the urge of complacency. Faith resists the urge of complacency. What does that mean? It means getting to the place of just taking it easy. Taking it easy. So think about it for a moment. Isn't that what life's like? You know, we have, you do projects around your house. If you're like me, I have a wife who has a honeydew list. Some of you are chuckling now. Some of you have written those honeydew lists, right? And you want your spouse and you want to work on these things because you want to bring your house to a certain point and you do it and you accomplish it. Have you ever noticed that even once you've accomplished that project, it doesn't look the same as it did the moment that you finished the project? At that point, it was like the height of beauty. And then from then on out, what happens? It deteriorates. You planted that nice garden. It looks really good. Well, here's what happens. Weeds happen. Shrubs over get overgrown. They have to be continually pruned. Things have to have an ongoing effort because if you don't continue to maintain it, if you don't continue to give forth the effort to take care of it, it will eventually what? Deteriorate. Why? Because all things are in a spiral of deterioration. That includes our marriages, that includes our families, that includes our church. If we don't maintain what's going on, we're going to face disaster. And here's what faith needs to happen. When you have your faith in God and you recognize with my life, my marriage, my family, with our church, you have to resist with faith that urge to be complacent. But, oh, George, I just need to rest. It's been difficult. Hey, folks, life's difficult. There are no plateaus. Ask somebody who's been married a while. They'll tell you. There are no plateaus in marriage. Marriage is, can I be honest with you, hard work. It's ongoing hard work. And if you don't continue to work on your marriage, your marriage is going to go what? Backwards. Your marriage is going to head to failure. It can't, you can't be complacent. Oh, I just want to relax. There's no relaxing. The only time you're going to be able to relax is when you go to be with Jesus. Just being honest with you. And faith, faith in God to do what he wants us to do has to resist the urge of complacency. Because I'm going to be, might as well put this down. You're never going to arrive. You're never going to arrive. You're never going to arrive where, to that perfect point in your marriage, that perfect point in your life, that perfect point in your family. You, you don't, you're never going to arrive because something's always going to happen and it's always out of your control. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's always out of your control. It's going to come out of nowhere. And the reason why you get shocked is because you weren't ready for it because you were complacent. Faith resists the urge to be complacent. That's what Nehemiah is doing here when he's setting aside gatekeepers to watch the gate. 
Because he knows they could find themselves back in the same situation again, being destroyed and the walls being broken down. Here's the second thing I want you to see now. It's the character. What kind of character do you need to have when you are rebuilding the walls? We're going to see a couple of things here. Look at verse 2. And he gave charge to Jerusalem, the two men. And notice what he says about these two men. For he was a faithful man and feared God more than others. So here's what I want you to notice. Nehemiah gave the care of the city to a man marked by belief. Faith, faithful. That that word faithful there refers to a believing man. He gave the care of the city, the city and its walls, to a man who believed in God. To a man who had faith in God. That was the first thing he noticed. He gave the care of the city to a man who had belief in God. Now why is that significant? Because here's what I'm going to tell you. You and I don't have the strength to maintain the walls in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, and even in our church. Can I tell you that right now? We don't have the strength. We don't have the brain power. And I can already tell you, we don't have the finances. We don't have it. Do you, I mean, do you recognize that? You don't have the ability to maintain the integrity of the walls in your life, in your marriages, in your family, and in our church. You don't have it. None of us have it. We were never given that ability to do it. But what we do have, and this is where you we have a belief in a God who can do it. You have to realize that if you're going to have a marriage that's whole, if you're going to have a family that's whole, if you're going to have a life that's whole, if you're going to have a church that's whole, you've got to have a belief in a God who what? Who will keep your marriage, who will keep your family, who will keep your church. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to have a belief in God. Because if you don't have a belief in God, I'm going to tell you right now, eventually if you're just trusting in yourself, you're going to hit a wall so to speak, another wall, you're going to hit a barrier, you're going to hit an obstacle that's going to reveal to you that you're not smart enough, you're not rich enough, you're not strong enough. Do you understand me? And then you're going to be like, what can I do? And you can't do anything. Because isn't that what life does? Life throws kitchen sinks at you when you don't expect them. Life throws things at you that you can't handle. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed, folks, we can't handle everything? The only reason why you can handle them is because you have a what? A belief in God. And if you're going to maintain the walls in your life, you've got to appoint to make sure that you have a belief in God. This is what Nehemiah did. He gave the care of the city to men, two men, one of them is his brother, two men who had, first of all, what? A belief in God. But it's not just a belief in God. There's got to be something else too. I want you to notice the second thing he says there. Same verse, verse two, he said, who was, it was a, who was a faithful man, but what? Feared God more than many. Here's the second thing I want you to see. This man was marked by a fear of God. This man was marked by a fear of God. See, here's the thing. It's going to take a little bit more than just belief. It's going to take a little bit more 
than just believing that God can maintain the walls in your life. What do you mean it's going to take a little bit more? Well, it's going to take a little bit more than just believing that God can maintain the walls in your life because you're the one who's got to maintain them. So what does that mean? You've got to have a life that's marked by a genuine, reverent fear of God. Because I'm going to tell you, the number one obstacle to maintaining the walls in your life and in your marriages and your family isn't people outside of your life. It's you. Because the chances are, it is you and your sin that will destroy those walls. Do you understand what I'm saying? Think about it for a moment. When Jerusalem's walls were destroyed the first time by Nebuchadnezzar, why did that destruction happen? Why did God remove his protecting hand from them? Because they had rejected him and they had sinned. And God used Nebuchadnezzar as what? A form of judgment against them. It was because of their sin. And so here's what he's doing. He's he's putting a man in charge who not only believes in God, that God will take care of them, but he fears God. Why? Because he knows that if they don't do right, God's going to judge them. Can I tell you that that's what is missing from a lot of our lives now is a holy fear of God? We have reduced God down to, can I say this, to our buddy. We've reduced God down to a theological concept that God is love. So therefore, because he's love, he'll never do anything, quote, to hurt us. Really? I love my kids. But when my kids do wrong, I discipline my kids. Does that mean my love has changed? No, I still love them. But I also need to correct them so that they don't what? Do wrong. Isn't that what parenting is? It's the same thing with God. God loves you, but God's not just going to turn the blind eye to you doing the wrong thing. And so having a fear of God is realizing that I'm accountable to somebody. Now that's the one that we don't like because none of us like being accountable to anybody. Isn't that true? We don't like being accountable to anyone at all except ourselves. But the fact of the matter is, is here's what you need to realize is from the scripture, you are accountable to somebody. Who is that? Ultimately, that's God. And God will bring into judgment what you're doing. Now, if you're saved, you don't need to worry about hell. But here's what you need to understand. He will discipline you, what? Here, not later on. And so you got to be living your life by fear. So you maintain the walls in your life, not just with belief, but with a fear of God. That's what's going on here. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's got to be the key. Can I be honest with you? When we think about our church, I'll talk more about our church right now. When you think about our church, it's not just a belief in God that's going to take care of us. It's a fear of God that's going to take care of us. It's having a fear that we're not going to do something stupid and dumb without realizing that God's not going to hold us accountable. And trust me, folks, he does hold churches accountable. In fact, as I think about it, you know, we're, we're 70, almost 80 years old as a church here. I think we're going to be 78 years this year. You can look back on our history, and I can tell you there were times when it would look obvious that God's hand of judgment was upon us. Why? Because of things that we had done wrong. How can you say that, George? Well, I'm the pastor. I represent the history of the church. I can look back and say that we didn't do things right. But you know what? Why did we not do things right? Because we didn't have a fear of God. If we had a fear of God, 
That makes men very scared about what they decide to do, doesn't it? That's got to be true in our lives too. It's got to be true in our lives. This man was marked by a fear of God. So here we come to the second faith principle. The second faith principle. Faith must be marked by a strong belief and a fear of God. This is how you're going to exist. This is how you're going to maintain the strong walls in your life. You have a strong belief that you can't do it without God. But you also have a fear of God. Lord, guide me. Let me not do anything that would be disgraceful to you. Help me to do what I need to do that's right. You know, one of the amazing prayers that I see in the book of Proverbs is this. It's this prayer. Lord, give me what I need. No more, no less. Give me what I need. No more, lest I forget you. No less, lest I steal and bring shame upon you. That's what the fear of God is, isn't it? Trusting in him day by day to guide your actions. And that's what needs to happen if you're going to maintain the walls in your life, maintain the walls in your marriage, maintain the walls where? In your family and in the church. Isn't that what happened in Joseph's life? Remember Joseph from the book of Genesis? He's a slave, serving his master, been given everything in the in the household of Potiphar except one thing, Potiphar's wife. But Potiphar finds him to be a kind of a sweet-looking, cute thing and decides that she wants to have a relationship with him and tries to entice him. But notice what he says. He can't do it. Why? Because he's governed by what? Fear. How can I do this thing against my God? I'll tell you right now, that's what needs to guide a lot of our lives, isn't it? Lord, I can't do this because it would shame you if I did this in my marriage. Lord, if I can't do this, it would shame you if I did this in my family. Lord, I can't do this if I did this in my private life. It would bring shame to you. It's called being marked by fear. You've got to have a strong belief and a strong fear of God. That's the second faith principle. Now, there's a third thing I want you to see here. We see it in verse 3. Let me just read it to you again. And I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station and another in front of his own house. Here's what I want you to see. We're going to talk about an ongoing effort. Number one, Nehemiah established a routine for the safety of the city. What you're seeing here is he's establishing a routine. So the quickest way into the city is not by breaking down the walls. It's by getting through the gates. So he established a routine that said basically the gates will remain closed until the heat of the day. That's the hottest time of the day. Now, just so you understand, they're in a very desert climate there. So the heat of the day would be the heat, like, I mean, severe heat, and the gates would be open. That's not the prime time to be attacking a city. You're not going to attack the city during the heat of the day. You want to attack the city in the cool of the day, because have you ever worked outside when it's really hot? You just don't want to do nothing. So he decided that's the only time that we're going to open the gates. 
And while we have the gates open, we're going to have men ready, stationed, to handle anything that might happen. So he set a routine up for how they would maintain the integrity of their walls. What can we learn from that? Well, here's the thing. You have walls in your life. Let's talk about your life. Maybe Jesus saved you from some kind of a habit or sin. Maybe he gave you victory over that something. Maybe it was an alcohol or an addiction type of something or another. And you rebuilt those walls in your life. But now you've got to maintain them. So what do you do? Well, you establish new routines in your life. I usually tell this to folks who are struggling with addiction issues. Change your friends. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes with people who are struggling from addiction issue, their greatest weakness is the people they hang out with. And sometimes they need to what? Change their friends. That's why I tell them to get active in a church, because you've got to establish new friends. You've got to establish a new routine. What do you do? If you're, if you're somebody who's addicted to alcohol, you don't go hanging out at a bar. Why? Because that's where you're going to find alcohol. You've got to change the routine. If you're addicted to pornography, you've got to what? Start restricting your use on the Internet. There are different things that you need to do to maintain a different routine so that you can secure the walls of your life. That's a pretty much a general principle, isn't it? He established a routine for the safety of the city. You and I, when we talk about maintaining the walls in our life, in our marriages, in our family, what is that going to mean? we got to start changing our routines. Start changing who we're hanging out with. Start changing who we're listening to. You'd be surprised. Just even listening to somebody can lead you down the wrong path. If you feed your mind continually with garbage, guess what comes out? Garbage. Nehemiah established a routine for the safety of the city. But that's not all he did here. I want you to notice what else he did. Look with me the second thing. Personal involvement was key to the security of the city. Notice what he did. He just didn't say we need to have people at their watch stations. We need to have people ready in front of their what? Their own homes. Now listen to me. Think about it for a moment. What if you knew, somehow you knew, that there was this gang of thugs coming from New York City and they were driving four hours down I-80 to come and take over Kerwinsville? And the authorities said, okay, we need everybody to get their guns, and they wanted to position you at certain points in the city. How likely are you ready to defend that certain point of our town? Probably not. But if they said, we want you to be ready at your house, how ready would you be to protect your house? Probably more than if I told you to go protect Irwin Park, right? That's the point here. Yes, we need people at their stations, he says, but he also knows that people are going to be ready to what? Protect their homes. Why? Because they got a personal stake in the thing that's going on. That's what's going on here. If you want to protect the walls in your house, you've got to understand that you got to own the issue of protecting your own walls. It's not going to be somebody else. It's not going to be your spouse. It's not going to be your mama or your daddy. It's got to be you. You've got to take a personal stake in protecting the walls in your life, in your marriages, in your families, in the church. When it comes to the church, it's got to be you. You just can't expect the elders to take care of it. Well, they're going to do their part. 
But you've got to do your part. Everybody's got to do their part. That's what he's talking about here. Personal involvement was key to the security of the city. So let me bring to you the third principle now. The third principle. Faith remains diligent in maintaining the walls. That kind of goes with the first one, isn't it? The first one is, is it doesn't give in to the urge of complacency. The third one expresses it this way. You've got to be active in maintaining your walls. You've got to make the decision. I'm going to do what it takes to make sure that the walls in my marriage are strong. I'm going to do what it takes to make sure that the walls in my family are strong. I'm going to do what it takes to maintain that the walls of my church are strong. Do you understand? It's just not going to happen if you're waiting for somebody else to do it. You've got to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to be the one to do it. And faith trusts God to give you the strength to do it. That's the reality. Faith trusts God to be able to do it. Okay, so let's back up now. Let's wrap it up. It's one thing to take a look at the landscape and see the broken walls in our life. It's another thing to take a look at the landscape and not just see the broken walls in our life, but decide to do something about it. We've been talking about that for the last few weeks, about doing something about it. But here's what we're going to see now, folks, is that the job's not over once the walls are rebuilt. You've got to maintain them. And you've got to maintain the walls that aren't just rebuilt. You maybe have some walls that haven't been broken down, but I'm going to tell you something. The chances of them being broken down are always true, period. Know that. And it's going to take effort on your part to do what you have to do to maintain them. You can't be complacent. You can't expect somebody else to do it. you got to decide to do it. you got to make the effort. You've got to do what you have to do to maintain the walls, period. And what's that going to take? A trust in God, a belief in God, a fear of God. It's going to take you not being complacent. It's going to take you being diligent. But how do you do that? It's because you have faith in the one who will help you do it because you recognize that you can't do it on your own. So let me ask you a question. Are you neglecting the walls in your life? Are you neglecting the walls in your marriages? Are you neglecting the walls in your family? Well, you know, you know, George, I've, I've got so much that I'm busy with. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're busy, but we shouldn't be that busy. Because here's the thing. You have an enemy who's always busy, and he's always trying to destroy the walls in your life. And he'll look for every opportunity to do it. The question is, is are you on guard? Let's guard against disaster, folks. Because if we don't, trust me, disaster will come. Let me pray for you.